Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of That's What B Said. I'm your host, Bree at Breezy Clee, and I'm joined by my fellow ladies, Brittany Mollis at Bird's Eye View. Hey, Britt. Hello. And Meredith Kane at MCAN Sports. Hello, Mare. Hi there. Just the three of us tonight, ladies. Just Woo. the three of us. Three best friends that anyone could have. <laughs> no, it's like the TikTok. A dumbass met another dumbass who met another dumbass. <laughs> also true. Also true. Um, all right. Well, we have a letter from the desk of Girl Gang Klee that we have to kick off with. So Brittany last week tweeted out a teaser of the show tonight. And in full transparency, we had booked Hugh Jackson for an interview this evening. And as most of you know, he was pretty active on Twitter at the end of last week, arguing with Browns fans about his tenure and time with the Browns. Uh, He also did a round of media this morning with ESPN 850 that has started making a bunch of headlines. We didn't necessarily want to revisit the past again, And we also wanted to be respectful to the current regime in office and to all of fellow Browns fans. Uh, As you guys know, we spend a lot of time preparing for the show to put out good content, which is why we came to the decision to not proceed with the interview tonight. Uh, We worked all weekend to put together questions, a rundown, and we pivoted early this morning after that interview aired. Our goal on this show is not to get clicks or be controversial. The most important thing for us is truly just maintaining the integrity of this podcast and being true to all of ourselves. And at some point between 9.30 and 10 a.m. this morning, none of us felt comfortable proceeding with the interview. It just didn't make sense anymore. So that is our official newsletter that I'm reading out loud. <laughs> I would I would also like to add that we we take a great pride in being genuine on this show and having an honest conversation. And after seeing what Hugh was saying this morning, we did not feel like that would have been a genuine conversation, which would not have been fair to the people who listen to us. Um, And it wouldn't have been fair to us either because we would, we, we wanted to have a certain type of interview and it just, it wasn't going to go in that direction. No, I I think the interview that we wanted to have, you know, we wanted to, when I emailed him, um, the the interaction that occurred. (laughs) So he, in case you guys missed it, this is what happened last week. Um, Meredith in our group chat, she had brought to our attention that he was sort of in his own way, trying to throw Andrew Barry and Sashi under the bus, right? Like that's what brought this up. And I saw this tweet where he said, yes, it was my disaster, but it was also AB and, oh, it was D Podesta, AB and D Podesta's disaster. And why doesn't, why don't they get any of that blame? It's just all on me. And I quote tweeted and I said, you know, that disaster is looking pretty good right now because those two are still here. They've really, you know, worked very hard to get us the Browns that we have today. And, you know, it, it's starting to, to look like they knew what they were doing. They're going in the good direction. They're in a good place right now. So, you know, I said that. And then he <laughs> he called me a dude. Uh, there was like oh, a, a misunderstanding. <laughs> <laughs> he apologized. He said, you know, Mollus, I apologize. And he kept calling me Mollus, which was funny. And I was like, 
he told me to wake up and I was like I said Hugh Jackson I am the wokest like how dare you you are to wake up <laughs> you are absolutely the wokest <laughs> so then my dad interjected he's like hey you should come on and and on my daughter's podcast to talk about it. So then I gave you my email. I was like, I'll set it up. Like, we'll talk. And as you know, like on this podcast, number one, we we have fun every week. We do have a good time doing this show every week. But as Bree said, we take a lot of time uh, and put a, it's a thoughtful process getting the show together. So this morning when he went on the air, and again, I'm not going to bash the guy, but I it was we all came to the agreement that the conversation that we wanted to have just was not going to happen. And we didn't think it was fair. We understand that he has his side of the story and I'm sure, you know, he has every reason to feel the way he does about his story, but the Browns also have a side of the story too. And we didn't think, you know, the Browns have always been really great to us, you know, We've worked with them setting up interviews with, with Callie. Uh, we had Britton Berry on last week, who was just an absolute pleasure. We didn't think that it'd be right to have him on there doing what he wanted to do in a way that the Browns could not or would not defend themselves. No. So, yeah. you know, it, I'm sure it, it might not have been as, as volatile as an interview as we think it was, but, you know, we just, we thought that our listeners, you guys, would appreciate it more if we just skipped this all together. So that's what we did. Yeah. And quite frankly, this is our platform and we get to decide those things. And in listening to all of the interviews and even reading the tweets that have went on for the last couple of days, it just didn't feel like we necessarily were in alignment with what was being said. And I felt like we were going to not be bullied. Bullied isn't the right word. But by having him on a show, he's using our platform with our name attached to it, our name behind it, to spew a bunch of stuff that is his side of the story, like you said, Brittany, but not something that we necessarily agree with, uh, nor do we want to have to just be associated with that, right? Because we, we agree with what is happening in today's organization with the Browns, and that's the future, and, and that's all there is to it. What I think probably would have happened, because this is what he was doing on Twitter. This is what he did uh, when he was on 92.3 a year ago. It's what he did when he was on ESPN today. He was. It felt like he was trying to gaslight Browns fans, like trying to convince us that things didn't happen the way we remembered them happening. And then when people would come back with, well, what about this factual situation? And then he would come back with, something about not knowing the sides of the story or you didn't see what was going on behind the scenes. And this is, this is all that he was saying on Twitter. And it just, it felt very gaslighty to me. And I don't appreciate that. Um, you know, I understand that he wants to tell his side of the story and that's fair. Like he should be allowed to tell his side of the story, but not at the expense of everybody else. Yes. So I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I do want to touch on it because it's obviously something that can't be ignored. There were headlines about his time on ESPN radio this morning and quotes being picked up from, I saw it on USA Today, ESPN.com ran an article about it. So all of this is servicing. So I feel like it would be a disservice if we didn't talk about it. I think we'll just talk about it and give our opinions on the situation. So 
just to start with some quotes that were pulled from this morning from the former head coach that have come up today. I'm going to read them and then I want to talk about them. So a few that jumped out to me was him claiming that the team lied to him about a rebuild. He claimed he would not have accepted the job had he known about it. The other interesting thing was that he was saying he had a super secret contract extension after going one in 23. And then he also made the comment that they, they in quotations, were football (laughs) plus analytics, but it was football versus analytics, which we've had that debate here time and time Mm -hmm. again. What is the reasoning behind Hugh going on this rampage and saying these things and bringing out something that happened two years ago, three years ago, almost. Okay. So one thing that he requested, and I I texted you guys about this um, when I set up the the interview, he requested that we rewatch his introductory presser when he sat down with Jimmy and Sashi back in 2015. So I did that this morning. Um, as I was getting the questions together, I re- it was like a 40 minute, you know, presser. And it was, guys, one of the things that struck me the hardest was how promising they made it all seem. Yeah. Like all three of them were sitting up there and this was a new chapter, new beginning, you know, all that stuff. Of course, hindsight is 2020 and you look back and, you know, you could, clearly see why certain things didn't work but let me um touch on something because I thought that this was kind of important he had there was a part of the of the very beginning where he one of the reporters asked him um you know did you have one question during the interview process did you have one question for the people interviewing you and Hugh said that his question was do we have a chance of winning? And (laughs) looking back on that, you know, for the first two years he was there. Yeah, there was a chance (laughs) you won (laughs) one game. So they weren't completely lying. There was a chance that you could win. Also, Um, let's talk about that. He, He had the question, do I have a chance of winning? To me, that says that, the Haslam's did tell him that they were going to tank. And then yes. his response was, Because that's not a normal question. Like that'd yes. be like going into a job interview and be like, well, is there a chance that I could make more money one day? Like, I mean, that's not something that you would just randomly ask. You look yes. at an organization, it's your responsibility to do your due diligence. Look at this organization, look at this franchise historically and make your own you know, decision, draw your own conclusions, do what's best for you. If you didn't think that was best for you. Another thing that I want to talk, because you were talking about analytics versus, um, mm-hmm. you know, football. At the very beginning of this press conference, one of the reporters asked, they, they called, um, they called Hugh a big football guy. They called Deep Podesta baseball stats guy, and they called Sashi uh, an attorney. And the question was phrased around, how are the three of you gonna work together? Cause you all three are so different. Like, how is that gonna work? And Hugh went on this, his answer guys was that, you know, he's all about the innovation. There are more ways than one to make things work. 
you know, these are very bright minds and we can all work together to make this happen. And he believes in analytics, but analytics is only part of it. You know, you have to have the, the eye and watch the tape and, you know, know the football and all these things. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, why exactly did he want me to watch this before he came <laughs> on the show? Because this, all of this contradicts everything that he just said on 850 all of it like it, it there was hopeful it was optimistic it was talking about the marriage between analytics and football and how they could merge together and be cutting edge they use the word cutting edge several times in that by the way so i'm watching this and i'm like what the what the hell did he want us to get from this it, I, I feel like he wanted us to watch it through his lens and maybe he didn't remember that he asked a question like that because the way that that question is phrased, is there a chance of winning? That is the first thing I think of, you know, it's like if you, and then it's very weird that they framed, cause I wasn't here in 2015, I was still living in DC. So it's very weird to me that they framed Sashi and Paul and Hugh as three wildly different people because I feel like that's sort of sowing the seeds of discontent because when we brought in Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski it was they're on the same page they have the same plan they have the same yeah. beliefs they want to look at this they want to look at this like everything talking about and maybe that's what Hugh wanted us to see was <laughs> was that framing of it but like at some point something's gotta give like you can't just go in as tough football guy and ignore the analytics and then blame them for making it football versus analytics mm -hmm. so it just <laughs> sorry i'm like uncomfortably giggling because this whole thing is just so ridiculous and brie you asked the question what did we think he wanted to get out of this I think he's trying to get back into the NFL. Um, yeah. He's been out of work for a while. Like he went to Cincinnati because, you know, he's great friends with Marvin Lewis and, and Marvin Lewis was willing to give him a job. And then the Bengals fired Marvin Lewis, which, you know, Hugh was unfortunately cut with him and he's been out of work since then. And I, I feel like this time every year, he kind of goes on these media tours. Um, and I think he's trying to rewrite history to put him in a better light because because he wants to be in the NFL again. And like, I don't blame him. Like if, if that's your life goal is to be a coach or front office or to work in the NFL and it's, and the rug is pulled out from under you, you know, I, I don't blame him for trying to get back in. I just don't think he's doing it in the right way. I agree with you, Meredith. I think he's trying to save face, put his name out there again in the NFL, make some waves, make some splashes to ensure that he stays on the radar I also think he has a book coming out later this year. So he's starting this whole PR process early, mm -hmm. getting people intrigued that should remind everyone he's writing a book about this. He's going to talk even more about it in his book. So, hey, go buy my book and hear what I have to say about the whole situation. The thing I'm most disappointed about in not talking to Hugh tonight is that we don't get to ask him those questions that I feel like nobody talks about with him. And maybe he wouldn't answer them anyway, or he'd figure out a way to skirt around the questions. But like what happened with him and Todd Haley? Where's Todd Haley? And also, he, they both he talked about that a little bit. Did he? I didn't get to listen to the interview today, but 
both of them are on Twitter that are unverified and it almost feels like <laughs> they are not really the them real the, the real accounts because it's just so bizarre. They yeah, are it's the very, weirdest people. <laughs> it's strange to me that that two public figures would because Q before his rampage last week had like 800 followers. I think last time I looked, he had like 14. And you know, I'm not <laughs> the type of person who cares about Twitter numbers, <laughs> but it does seem very strange to me that a public figure would have so few Twitter followers well, and people think verified. that it's people think that it's a fake account. Yeah, like well, last because week when we were going back and forth, he's like, I can't believe people are like, I can't believe Hugh Jackson made a fake account to argue with you. I was like, that's not a fake, that's actually <laughs> Hugh Jackson. Like, why is it at Hugh Jack 10? You know, like that's like my question. Usually it's just like Hugh Jackson when you're a public figure. He put a 10. It's like Bob 15859 created a fake Hugh Jackson account and threw a 10 after it and then started <laughs> arguing with fans. Uh, Q's back baby driving the bus you know what I wanted to ask him that I'm kind of sad about because I they haven't really talked about I didn't see any any mention of it today but you know me I was huge Deshaun Kaiser supporter and one of the questions that I had for him that I it sucks that I didn't get to ask was I was explaining how I was a big Notre Dame fan and when the Browns drafted him at that time um, as a Notre Dame fan and as somebody who, you know, watched Deshaun Kaiser regularly, I was torn when they did that because half of me was like happy. I was like, oh, yes, this, my player gets to go to my team. Hooray. But the other half of me was very concerned when they did it because I knew he was not ready for that role. He was just not ready for it at all. And I wanted to ask him about that experience. And I was going to do it in a nice way because for a long time, all I've wanted to say is you son of a bitch, you ruined Deshaun <laughs> Kaiser. How dare you? You threw him under the bus. You destroyed his career. But I wasn't going to do, I was just going to be nice and be like, can you tell us about that experience? Because, you know, I, I, I've always felt that he was put in a very unfair position. And he was a sacrificial lamb. He was. That's and, exactly and, what he was. Yes. And there were so many like conspiracy theories that we had, not just with that, but like also when I was, we were going to talk to him about Todd Haley and a lot of the fans sort of have this idea that myself included, I will admit that Todd Haley, his intentions when they were, you know, there together was to sort of sabotage the yeah. offense in a way to, to get Hugh fired and to take Hugh's job, which I looked like it was going according to plan until John Dorsey canned them both. It was like, all right, you two can't get along. Screw you both. You're both out of here. But, you know, it's it, once you got fired, we were all like, oh, Todd Haley is the guy. Like his plan worked. And I wanted to ask him about that. So those two things that I wish we could have asked him, but, you know. I also wanted to ask him about his thoughts on Freddie Kitchens being named the head coach the following year, yes. because obviously yes. Freddie Kitchens was on his staff. I, I would have loved to have known use unfiltered opinion on it if he felt yeah. like freddie deserved that job i would have Which loved you know. to have heard his uh his take on that scene from hard knocks where freddie kitchens started a fight yeah in, in the room and it's so funny because nobody realized it was freddie kitchens at the time we we're all like oh this is a hot todd haley hugh jackson fight but then when when we went back and watched the tape after <laughs> freddie kitchens was hired we went back to that scene and we're like oh shit freddie was the one who stirred it up in yeah. that meeting <laughs> the the one question that i would have really wanted to ask him had we decided to to talk to him was um if he could go back to 2015 
and start his journey with the Browns all over again, what would he have done different? We'll never know the answers to these. Honestly, I don't even know if he would have answered these questions. You know, yeah, I feel like like he would have, he probably would have, you know, danced in circles, talked around. Like, I mean, that's the way he was in press conferences, you know, and, and anytime he didn't want to answer a question, it was, uh, look at the tape. I'm driving the bus, you know, his, (laughs) his cliches, you know, and then the stuff that he was saying on ESPN 850 today, the things that he said on podcasts in, in the past, like I said, it's, it's a different version of history than what we all experienced. Yeah. So one last question, and then we'll move on from this topic because we have uh, actual Browns things to cover. Does it feel like an attack on the current regime? Brittany, I'll start with you. Absolutely. Um, And I don't think that there's necessarily a place. I think Hugh is doing everyone a disservice by, by pointing fingers like this. I understand that he has his side of the story. And I do believe there's some merit to that. You know, these things don't just come out of nowhere. Whether he's, you know, sort of delusional about it. But, you know, people, like, I have family members who they're so deep in their de- their own delusions yes. that they could literally pass a lie detector test. That's how much they believe in their own lies. And I'm not saying that to make fun of him, but, like, that's a possibility. Like he, he, he could be adamant about that. I also, there's a part of me that believes that maybe at that time, the Browns might not have been totally honest about their intentions. They might have said, yeah, we could win. We could do this. Um, you know, I, I, we don't know. And we may never know the full truth. Cause you know, anytime there's there's one side, there's another side, and then somewhere in the middle is the actual mm-hmm. truth of what happened. So I'm sure it's a combination of these things. Um, and, you know, I don't, we're never going to hear for the Browns. And that's fine because the Cleveland Browns right now are in a good direction. Yes. If Hugh wants to talk about, you know, John Dorsey, Sashi, whatever, I don't. I I love getting involved in Sashi Wars because it's fun. It's hilarious because Browns fans still get so worked up about that man. So like it's it's fun to poke the bear once in a while, I admit. But to point fingers at Andrew Barry, that grinds my gears. That doesn't sit well with me. And it's not just because we're such a fan, but because He's the one driving the bus now, mm-hmm. like the big bus, not just like the data he's doing. He's calling all the shots now yeah. and they are in a very good place right now. So Hugh, whatever happened between the two of you, and by the way, he was not even general manager at this time. Right. So to try and say, this is his disaster in any way, just completely unfair to me. I don't, yeah. I don't like that. Um, Deep Podesta, it seems like, there was a war between analytics and football. Okay, we understand that. But you know, in the end, look who won. And look who's <laughs> getting the job done now. And look who's got the Cleveland Browns in a good spot now. So Hugh can spout off and he could say whatever he want and he could try to get his book sales and that's fine. Do whatever you gotta do. Do your cameos, whatever. But no place for that on this show. <laughs> and I'm glad that we did not do this. Um, but yeah, like I... It is an attack of what they're doing now. And I don't think it's fair to attack what they did before and try to translate it into something that's going on now. That's not fair. There's no place for that. 
Yeah. And, and every step that the Browns took got is what got them to where they are today. Now, granted, it may not have necessarily been the right way to do things. I do. I do think that Hugh is feeling like a scorned lover. Like there's a little bit of jealousy because I was, um, I was talking to a former player last week and what they were saying is that everyone wants to be that guy that turns around an organization. So you had like the bills for the longest time were a struggling organization. The jets were a struggling organization. The dolphins at one point were a struggling organization. The Browns have been the only franchise to struggle for two decades. And every guy wants to come in. Every true competitor wants to be the person to turn that team around. And it, Hugh Jackson wasn't that guy. So I do think that he's probably a little jealous of Kevin Stefanski because Kevin Stefanski so far has been that guy. Um, the fact that Andrew Barry was with that organization before left, got some more football experience and then decided to come back to me, that says Andrew Barry knew that he could be the guy to turn that organization around. He saw it at its lowest point. He went to another organization, learned everything that he possibly could. And when he was offered a job again, he could have easily said no and said, no, I've been in that disaster before. I don't want to come back. That was a bad situation. He said, yeah, I'll come back and I'm going to make this team a good one. And he did. So I think that there's a little bit of jealousy from Hugh because I'm sure that Hugh wanted to be that guy that turned the organization around. But unfortunately, A, I don't think that he has the same kind of talent uh, to be that guy and pair that with a regime that was trying to tank the organization. It just wasn't, it wasn't a good formula. So, I mean, it was going to be a bad situation for him no matter what. So I think there's just, there's a little bit of jealousy that, you know, Kevin Stefanski was coming in and Andrew Barry was coming in and they were doing all the right things and saying all the right things. And then, you know, the games started winning and then they made it to the playoffs. They beat the Steelers. Like it just, all the good things started happening. And I'm sure Hugh wanted to be that guy. Yeah, um, that felt pretty dirty. So we're going to transition into some manscape to cleanse ourselves, <laughs> cleanse our palate right now. Because that'll be really cleansing. <laughs> so as you guys know, support for That's What B Said is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. They have an exclusive offer for our listeners. It's 20% off plus free shipping using the code fansided20 at manscaped.com. As we mentioned, um, we want to cleanse our palate, cleanse the stinky balls. And that tool is the Crop Reviver. And that's the product that goes with the Crop Preserver that keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. So we don't want any smelly balls, any sticky balls around, uh, hanging around us. Uh, so again, just as a reminder, you can get 20% off plus free shipping using the code fansided20. And that is at manscaped.com. All right, let's talk about the Browns because the Browns are on to bigger and better things. So we have a few things to get you guys excited for the upcoming season. Uh, starting with the offense. So the Browns are going to be returning their entire starting offense, which includes the offensive line, the wide receiving core with Hollywood Higgins signing, 
the tight end room, David Njoku is coming back. He was on the fence and the quarterback room as well as the running backs. So this is a good reminder that to let you know that the Browns offense ranked 16, 16th in yards per game in the NFL last year and 14th in scoring. It's going to feel pretty good to bring back that group, knowing that there's going to be another year under Stefanski's belt and consistency, which the Browns desperately crave. On the flip side, the defense last season was not so good. Uh, they ranked 21st in points allowed and 17th overall. So this is a place where Andrew Barry has spent time focusing his energy this offseason. They've signed key pieces and are expecting to get back Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit, hopefully back from injury this year. So let's take a minute here to talk through, dig into that a little bit. We didn't get a chance to last week because we had the lovely Mrs. Barry on the show. We're going to review and rate what Andrew Barry accomplished in his second offseason as the Browns GM. Uh, he explained his approach in his own words, and I got all of this great information from the OBR article. Um, he said his approach is to be opportunistic and address improving all areas of the roster. We are in a position where we had enough flexibility from a cap perspective where if, if we felt there was a player who aligned with our needs. Ladies, I want to ask you first before we get into these signings. If you had to point out the Browns' biggest weakness on defense last year, it doesn't have to be a player. It could just be a feeling, what you saw with the eyeball test. What would you say? I think the tackling was the biggest weakness. There were so many missed tackles. And <laughs> That's it like was the Browns' DNA. It's like, missing yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was a very frustrating thing to watch um, to see all of that. And there were moments where we almost relied on the Browns defense for interceptions because we yes. knew they couldn't stop the other team in any other way. Like there were, there was a decent amount of interceptions by the Browns defense last year. And I just remember in all of our group chats, you know, with girl gang talking about the game as it was going on. <laughs> That seemed to be a running theme every time the Browns were on defense was, oh man, Denzel, you just got to got to get an interception here. Like, let's go, Miles <laughs> Garrett. Can you sack him, please? Like that was, that was what we were like praying for every single time was an interception because it just, we didn't really have a lot of faith in this defense otherwise. Brittany, anything to add? Meredith pretty much nailed it <laughs> with that. It was just tackling from anyone that you would expect to tackle <laughs> so, <laughs> across the board. There wasn't a specific position who did like the linebackers were pretty bad. <laughs> Safety was bad. You know, quarterback when Den we had Denzel Ward. So, and that was good. And, you know, you had Terrence Mitchell to fill in spots, which was good. Um, but other than that, like you, we, we talked about this a lot in the group chat and it was, and even on the show, I remember we would say the Browns, they have to score 30 to even be in the yep. game. And last year, that was just something that you had to accept. And it's not because, you know, the, the defense couldn't have been good, but it was ravaged by yes. injuries. And then by, you know, COVID you had Sandeo is your starting guy. Like <laughs> Mac Wilson never showed up the way that we had hoped that he would. And it was a mess. So this, you knew that Andrew Barry and company were going to zone in on defense. Mm -hmm. Like you got to get that defense up to par with that offense or 
because what you cannot expect your offense. I don't care how good it is. The plan cannot be that you have to score at least 30 points just to keep you in a football game. That's not a sustainable plan. So I like the fact that, you know, they, they had a lot of money to spend, but they were wise about the way they're spending it. So they're not just throwing money at these big names, which is, you know, you see these big names and as a fan, you're like, Oh, I want that guy. And I want that guy. I want, I want him. And you know, all these, these edge rushers and you're like, you fall in love with all of them one by one. And I remember the first day or two of free agency where you're just watching one by one fall off the board and you're like, Oh, that's my guy. Oh wait, no, that's my guy. And now they're not coming to Cleveland. And I, but you have to trust that the smart guy in charge is going to do smart things. And I really believe that he did. The defense right now is already much improved from last year. So now it's going to fall on Joe Woods to see what he can do with a healthy defense. Yes. I would also say to tack on to the lack of tackling miscommunication and, and the breakdowns on defense also seem to be a huge issue. Um, it felt like guys were running into each other on our team. There were multiple guys in one spot. Andrew Sedejo was, was sometimes tackling his own players. <laughs> Andrew Sedejo needed a GPS on the field. Okay, but let's like think for a minute. A lot of times, and this is scary to go back and actually think this happened. He was the one getting guys in position and relining guys up. Think about that. Long Good and hard. God. Jesus. I just, I feel like Anderson Dejo might make a really good high school coach one day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can totally see that. Yes, absolutely. Like, like hype guy, like fired up. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and he obviously understands how the game works. Like you don't make it to the NFL if you don't, right. like it's one of the hardest things on the face of the planet to do is become a professional athlete at that level. So, you know, we can sit here and trash talk him all day long. But at the end of the day, he made the NFL and we didn't. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So let's talk about the guys that Andrew Barry signed uh, over the last couple of weeks and we'll give him a ranking. Okay. We're going to rate him, grade him A to C. I didn't even put D or F in there because like, let's be real. If one of us gives him a C. (laughs) Do those letters even exist? No, we only know A's and B's. He's an Ivy League graduate. Come on. Okay. He's an AB <laughs> right, A B A B positive. <laughs> okay, John John the Third quickly becoming a fan favorite safety. Uh, we love him. We're going to talk about him for a minute because I know you guys want to. Andrew Barry says about him one of the most versatile safeties in the NFL, and on top of that, his intelligence and natural leadership. Go ahead. You guys can rave about John John because I have watched his press conference. I've watched all of his Instagram videos. I've watched his Twitter hype videos. I'm 100% in love. I'm going to buy this man's jersey. <laughs> so, you know, the um, the TikTok trend where it's like turning my such and such into inspirational posters. And it's always yes. something kind of snarky and sardonic. But like, I legitimately want to take his words and actually turn them into motivational posters because I don't I don't know how you can listen to that man talk and not get excited. And that was one of the things that a lot of um, the people who have covered him with his former team had been saying about him is that he's very vocal and that he's a leader and that he's a play caller. And he just, he steps up and makes sure that everyone knows what they're doing and everyone knows where they're going and everyone knows what play is being called. And it's just like, that is, that's exactly what the Browns 
defense needed, you know, instead of guys running into each other and tackling their own guys and just, you know, being a, a crazy mess, he's going to keep them all in line. He's going to, he just, oh my God, I love him. I love him so much. All right. So what's your grade on Andrew Barry and signing John John the third? A plus. A plus. Brittany, anything else to add? That, with- that's a, that's an A plus move right there. Same. Like so, when okay. there's nobody had anything negative to say about him, not about his on-field performance, not about him as a person. It's all just glowing reviews. And I am I watched his Instagram live the other night where he was, you know, asking for dog emojis yes! and he was opening up his uniform and I was like I am so in love with this human I he gets can't up. deal with it I hope that he and Miles Garrett like hang hang out together uh outside because Miles Garrett's dog might be one of the cutest dogs on the planet like I I don't follow animal Instagram accounts except for <laughs> Gohan Garrett. Like I, I followed Miles Garrett's dog because it's so cute. So I just, I feel like he and John and John are going to like get together and play fetch with Gohan. Like that's just what's going to happen. So love it. let me give you another fun fact to get you excited. Um, John, John, as you know, he was a part of the Rams number one defense last season. Um, he led the team in tackles. And he was ranked the third highest safety by pro football focus. Okay. So there's a couple of things getting checked off your list already, guys. We make a list Mm -hmm. and we check them off. That's what the Browns do. All right. Mm -hmm. The second guy, we talked about him on our podcast a few weeks ago, Tack McKinley, defensive end. So this was a guy that we, we had initially said, you know, maybe has a high ceiling, maybe Maybe a little bit of a risk, but Andrew Barry says about him, his playing style and skill set marries nicely with what we look for out of defensive ends in our system. Can I get a grade from you guys on this one? I'm going to give that one a solid B. Obviously, there's something there that Andrew Barry sees, because as we mentioned before, this isn't the first time that he has tried to get McKinley on the team. Um, There's something that... I'm obviously like he's he's a he's a great athlete. Uh, he did have his his troubles before, but you know he showed when he showed up. He showed up in a suit, and he said that this is a new beginning for him. He's you know Love excited. That. I know it was just like okay, like this is a guy. He's taking this seriously. He wants to succeed here. He seems genuinely happy to be here. Him and John John both really. They just seem like they are thrilled to be in Cleveland. Um, so I'm gonna give this a solid B. Again, it was you know. Uh, low risk, high reward situation. Yep. Don't know if he's going to light, you know, the field on fire. We, who knows? But he's there. He's happy about it. Andrew Barry loves him, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and we'll call this a B move. Meredith, agree I, or disagree? I agree. Prior to the press conference, I would have given that move like a C plus, yep. just because of his off the field issues um because we've seen in the past and i've taught i've been very vocal about my opinions about guys who have trouble off the field and in some situations you know it's like do they really you know are they really getting their stuff together or are people just making excuses for them because they're good at football so the off the field stuff had me a little nervous so i i was thinking c plus but then after the press conference i would say b potentially b plus i think the Tack McKinley signing is 
like the analytics signing, like John John is a little bit of both. Like he's the analytics, but definitely like I test, he is a football football guy. I think tack is very much. So one of those analytics signings where Andrew Barry is looking at his skill set and looking at uh, what the Browns need and says, okay, this guy has the skill set to fill these needs. And then like Brittany said, when he showed up to the press conference in, in a suit and tie, you know, he was just, he was so genuinely grateful to Andrew Barry for giving him a chance. And I 100% believe him when he said that he's going to turn it around and he's not going to waste this opportunity. So prior to the press conference, I was giving it a C plus, uh, after the press conference, I would say like a high B borderline B plus. I like that. I like that logic. I agree. I agree with that logic. I was feeling kind of feeling the same way. I think he could be the sleeper signing of the off season. I, if he can stay healthy, I think he will be a man to watch for come fall. If he can put it all together. Like but that. the other couple of nuggets about him, um, quickness, speed and powerful. So again, another couple of things checking off that list. Okay. We love Moving it. on mm-hmm. to Troy Hill, cornerback, also from the Rams. Andrew Berry said about him, he's a versatile cornerback, a smart football player, and a sound tackler. Does that make you guys happy? Troy- sound tackler. <laughs> Troy, Hill. <laughs> Troy Hill is another slam dunk, grand slam, out of the park, A-plus signing. <laughs> yep. In, in my opinion. I don't think people are aware how good of a defensive player Troy Hill is. He is so good. And then the fact that he is coming from one of the best defenses in the NFL from last year, he's coming with his teammate. So, you know, there's a little bit of familiarity in there. I just, Troy Hill without John, John is an A plus signing. I think with alongside John, John, that's where you get your grand slam, you know, buzzer beating three-pointer from half court kind of shot so I think the two of these signings together is just perfection love it did did my little chef's kiss motion can't see her but she did it I was just I'm I'm so I am so excited about Troy Hill like I Troy Hill's my sleeper guy okay I like it you know what Troy Hill's my sleeper guy too because Youngstown Bree. <laughs> oh yeah, how could I forget this? I I commented, I commented. I think it was Adam Schefter's tweet when he said, you know, local Youngstown guy, and I responded with three three yo, <laughs> like a loser. <laughs> yo, Ohio guys. Yo, I've never heard that. The yo three three. So yo. yeah, yeah, we're very excited. Troy Hill's here. This and he, you know, he was talking. I don't know if you guys saw this. Was it today or yesterday? I'm losing track of time. No, it had to been today. They These were talking to him. Yeah, right. Um, but they were talking to him and he was talking about, you know, coming back. He's, I feel like a kid again. Like I get to come back home and, and play in Cleveland. And he joked that like, it's going to cost him because, you know, he's got a lot of friends here. They're going to want to go to the games. But <laughs> I was listening to him. I was like, oh, I love it so much. Little Youngstown boy. Warms your heart. I agree. A plus. Yeah. So far, Andrew Berry is acing this exam. Continuing on. <laughs> Anthony Walker, linebacker. So Andrew had to say about him, the name of his game is speed and instincts. He's one of the fastest linebackers in the league. He's smart and has veteran experience. I mean, Mm. again, like we're just going down the list and checking off players that 
fit everything that the Browns needed this past year. I was talk that talk, Andrew Barry. I know. I was really excited when they had reports of um, Anthony Walker coming to Cleveland. I was like, yes, tell tell me more. A position that is desperately needing veteran leadership as well. And obviously, go ahead, Britt. You can like a, a good barometer that I use is like fans. So like Colts fans, they yes. were very upset yes. that he was leaving. Mm-hmm. So when fans feel that way, like I, uh, we have a family friend who's like a really big Colts fan and he reached out to my dad and he's like, man, you guys got a good one. And I'm, that makes me happy because <laughs> fans, you know, they watch this guy every week, week in, week out. And the fact that they were jealous that the Browns got him, that makes me feel very good. Yeah, this is this is obviously an A from us as well, right? Like this is a position yes. that it's, we had, it's I mean, really two-year players running the show back there. I yeah. know. It's really, really hard to look at the moves that Andrew Barry has made and not give him an A. You know, like Tack McKinley was really the only question. But, and it's funny because... You know, Britain mentioned last week, you know, how quickly the how fans got upset, you know, when there were no flashy moves on day one. But, you know, Andrew Barry just kind of moved like a silent shark in the water. Heck yeah. Know, just kind of snatching up those those really good, high quality players, like completely out from under people's noses. Like the the Andrew Walker signing felt like Colts fans were almost blindsided by it. Like they didn't expect him to not only come to the Browns and visit Berea and, and then sign within a few days. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's, there's, there's something in the water here. Yeah. The and other, the shark, Andrew Barry, the shark, Andrew Barry, the <laughs> uh, free agency fairy, if you will. Um, Anthony Walker too. One thing about him too, he was calling the plays for the Colts and, and John, John was doing that for the Rams. So again, like Andrew Barry just added two guys to the team that were calling the plays on the defensive side of the ball, something that the Browns just didn't have last year from a leadership standpoint. So again, like very big need for this Browns defense. And you have guys that are able to do this. Um, And finally, Malik Jackson, uh, defensive lineman, what Andrew Barry said about him, his ability to impact the quarterback as an interior rusher. He loves his length, quit quickness and tenacity. So again, there's that word quickness. It's like the tenacity. tenacity. Yes. Yeah. And, and... <laughs> it's really good. I can't do that. Yeah. And that, that inside rushing aspect makes me confident that miles Garrett is going to get more sacks this year. Cause we have discussed, you know, the, the biggest, I guess, Achilles heel for miles is quarterbacks like Ben Roethlisberger who let go of the ball really quickly. Miles just doesn't have the time to get to them. So if you've got these linemen that can disrupt that inside rushing path, like you, you, Miles Garrett's going to be wide open. Like I want to see this man with a dozen sacks this year, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully he can stay healthy as well. So what's your rating on this one, Mayor? So you think this is A or B, A or B territory? Um, I'm going to go probably like... Mm, B just because I don't know quite as much about Malik Jackson as I do the other guys, but I do think that he will be a huge help on the defense. Like there's, 
there's really like no bad signing that Andrew Barry yep. made this off season. Nothing is questionable. Nothing makes you go what like that. The side, who did they sign? I forget who they signed in Cincinnati, but they like let a cornerback go just to sign another quarterback and every, and it's even more money and everyone's looking at their heads. That and wasn't that, um, they let, they let Carl go. Lawson go. Yes. And yes. That's exactly it. Hendrickson. Who did they get? Yes. yes. Yeah. So yes, they, yeah. Paid him a they were like trade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just, Andrew Barry didn't have any signings like that where we were looking at it and going, what is he thinking? Every single one of his signings, we looked at this and said, oh, we know exactly what he's thinking and we agree with it and we like what he's doing. Yeah. And I also think that it's, you'd be, it'd be difficult to find another defense that improved as much as the Browns did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, to my knowledge, like there isn't another team that they might have like signed, you know, when they got the the big uh, edge rushers, like, cool. Yeah. But what else did you do? Andrew Barry was able to do a lot for, you know, a lot of players. This is five players that can make an immediate impact on this defense. And as we mentioned before going into this, this is being added to a team that is bringing back their offense, right? Yes. So a lot of teams, while they may have improved on one end of the ball, they have lost key pieces on the other end. So this is a very unique instance for the Browns. And for like, this is a reason to be excited. I know we're always excited as Browns fans every off season. We, we we're so hopeful, but this like this is actually tangible excitement that we can feel. It feels different this time. Uh, it feels very different. And I, I pay attention to a lot of the national writers. I pay, I read pro football focus um, every single day. And there have been multiple national outlet outlets, including USA today and uh, pro football focus that graded the Browns as having the best free agency. Um, I think USA Today graded them number one. Uh, and then I don't know about the overall, but I know that the day one move of John Johnson got the number one move of the day by Pro Football Focus. Pro so Football the- Focus gave them an excellent. They were not in A's, B's, or C's, but excellent, I would say, yeah. is probably an A. Yeah, so you've got um, like multiple national outlets, trustworthy national outlets saying this was the best free agency. Yeah. And based on what we pointed out as weakness on the defense last year, we should all feel really good about this team heading into 2021. There was a common theme with the free agency signings to get smarter, faster, and older. I'm saying older in quotations, just in terms of adding some vets to help this young defense. Andrew Barry is methodical. Every single signing has been an attack at addressing the issues the defense experienced last year. And as we talked about, the offense should improve being a second-year offense with Kevin Stefanski, the same system with the starters being back. Like, I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch, but... Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Early season predictions. Super cool. I'm ready. (laughs) Well, okay, so remember probably about a month ago, but right before free agency started, I said that if Andrew Barry has a good free agency, they will be set up to a point in the draft where they don't need to draft a line because that's what they were saying. Like, Oh, they've got to draft a linebacker. They've got to, they've got to draft an edge rusher. Like that's what people were saying. They're so obsessed with who the Browns were going to draft. And I was sitting there thinking, well, you guys, we still have free agency to go. And if Andrew Barry gets it right during free agency, 
it's not going to be a desperate need during the draft. And that's exactly what he did. He has set himself up that they can draft whoever the hell they want at the end of the month. And it's really not going to matter. So if, if he, you know, took a wide receiver, you know, it's not going to be a slight against Jarvis or Odell. It's just him looking and saying, okay, well, Jarvis and Odell have one year left on their contract. What's going to be, what's going to happen in year two. So like he, he has that luxury now to potentially draft a wide receiver for two years later down the road. Like that's just, that is such a good position to be in where you can treat your draft as, you know, I'm, I'm not drafting you because I need you right now. I'm drafting you because I'm probably going to need you in a year or two. Right. And we'll have to get into the draft um, over the next coming weeks, obviously leading up to the draft at the end of April. But um, you hit the nail on the head on that because last year you knew we were going to take an offensive lineman. That mm-hmm. that was just like guaranteed. We had to. Um, we needed the left tackle position to be filled. And this year, as you mentioned, there's no gaping holes anymore. And Andrew Barry and this team can like it, it's they have all the chips on their side. The ball is in their court, essentially. If another team con- needs something way more than they do, then they can get more assets. I don't know. Like this is this is a great feeling. I can't wait. This is also why I hate mock drafts, though, for the sole reason that like <laughs> people started doing mock drafts drafts literally right after the Super Bowl. And I'm like, you have free agency to get through. Like, I, I just I can't. I, I can't with all yeah, the Don't they know that crazy. the off season is like seasons in and of itself? Like, you know, you have free agency season, then you have draft season, then you have like, you know, the camp season. And then it's preseason and then it's the season season. <laughs> and then it's the so calm down. You can't yeah, you can't just jump seasons willy-nilly, guys. You gotta take your time with it. You have to go you have to go in order. I'm waiting for the Brittany Mollis mock draft be coming out is that happening oh my gosh see i'm gonna have to do these things and it's so hard for me to like dive into because i'll be honest when the browns aren't in the top five of picks i don't really pay attention that much to drafting because i'm like you know at this point it's kind of nice as a fan when you know they're they're picking at 26 because years before you know back when they were bad even with the Cavs, i feel the same way i will fall in love with these like top 10 picks yeah i'll have my heart set on someone specific and then if they don't get them i'm like crushed so if they're picking at 26 i'm not even you know investing my feelings into this i'm just like whatever andrew barry does that's great but because i write for heavy now i'm gonna have to do draft stuff which is going to be, it's going to be a lot for me to do, but I do plan on diving into it and figuring out, you know, I think I'm, I'm pretty good at um, evaluating things. So I'm sure I'll be able to come up with a few interesting guys that the Browns might want to take. I haven't looked into it yet, but time is ticking. They're getting <laughs> stuff ready around here. It's time to get ready. Um, they started building the state. I haven't been down to uh, down by first energy in a few days. Have they started building stuff? I haven't been on that side of it. They're doing a lot of construction and this just started this weekend. They're doing a lot of construction on West Sixth street. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what they're doing there, but it just started this weekend and they're out there working like every day on something over there, which is kind of unusual. I'm sure it has something to do with the draft. They're trying to get something ready for it. Yeah. So I know. Fun stuff. Wait. I 
yeah, we're going to have not like a hundred percent full fledged draft. Cause I'm sure there's going to, you know, there's still going to be limitations because of, you know, vaccine availability and wanting to stay safe. Cause we're still in a pandemic, but I just, I am really excited to see what the city of Cleveland does with the draft. I'm really I think excited. it's going to be a beautiful time. Like if, mm-hmm. if the all-star festivities or any indication, this is going to be amazing. Oh yeah. The, the major league baseball all-star game weekend in cleveland it was just it was perfect it was perfect it was so perfect yeah and it's the same people running it all it's the cleveland sports commission they're the ones who do all of the events so uh then i i have no doubt it's going to be phenomenal event exciting can't wait this is a great time to announce we have a new uh sponsor for our show that we are teaming up with. Um, We are also doing a giveaway with them with each of our accounts. So I want to introduce the Northwest group and they are a leader in branded home textiles for the world's most loved and recognized brands in sports, entertainment, and lifestyle. They have products from the NFL to star Wars NBA, Nickelodeon, and they carry a wide variety of blankets, pillows, and much more. So we have a special promo code with the Northwest Group as well for you guys to use exclusively for our listeners. You can use promo code GIRL, C-L-E, at northwest.com for 25% off your entire purchase. Again, that is, you can find blankets, pillows, and much more at www.thenorthwest.com for 25% off your entire purchase using the code GIRLCLEE, G-I-R-L-C-L-E. Like I said, we're going to be doing giveaways on each of our accounts. So make sure you guys follow us um, and stay tuned for those. I will be giving away, I'm so excited, a Baker Mayfield blanket that little dude is getting from the Easter Bunny this weekend. So I'll let you guys know how that goes, but you know, he all, he asked for a Baker Mayfield pillow. So I'm hoping that this blanket is what he's hoping for. He's going to love it. He gets to sleep with Baker Mayfield every night. It's going to be so weird. He's he's already got the big uh, Baker Mayfield fathead on the wall too, right? Yeah, it's Baker mania. My husband was like, can you just get like a normal Browns blanket? (laughs) I I was driving, I was driving home the other day and one of the houses in my, my neighborhood because uh, what little dude has like a full body pick of um baker mayfield i think he's like throwing a football or something yes. some kind of you know action pose um but you know the fat heads that are like just the head yes um i was driving home from work the other day and there's a house in my neighborhood that um has like they have this big gorgeous bay window and there's a baker mayfield fat head <laughs> head right in the bay window love it i got freaked out for a second because i was um like sitting at a red light or something and i looked to the side and i was like oh my god there's a big head and then i was like oh my god it's baker mayfield (laughs) just terrifying the uh robbers um all right so guys we have one more thing to cover before we wrap up the show for the evening mlb opening day kicks off on thursday yay meredith's yawning (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, it's been a long day. I'm not yawning on purpose. I tried to mute my mic so that it wouldn't come through. And then it's you fine. Called, you, you called me out over here. It's okay. Well, it's also my birthday on Friday. So it's also Bree's birthday week. Hey. And Jenna. Jenna, happy birthday. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's not important. So what I wanted to bring up. Yes, it is. Your birthdays uh-huh. are very important. Are you kidding? <laughs> Do not ever diminish yours and Jenna's day ever again. Yeah. Thank you. I feel very important. 
Um, the weather is forecasted to be winter. It's spring break in Ohio, so of course that means winter. It's going to be a balmy 33 degrees in Ohio, which feels just like baseball. Uh, the Indians actually play at Detroit. However, it's still going to be like 39 degrees there. So, guys, baseball weather. Is that a thing? <laughs> um, we need to check in with Weatherdale. <laughs> I mean, well, there's multiple baseball weathers in Cleveland. You've got snow because they've they've played in the snow. You've got uh, Mayfly and Midge season uh, yep. in Cleveland. Um, you've got the like, three and a half days in August where it gets really hot and humid and unbearable. And then it goes back to being cold. So <laughs> there's yes. like, there's like a roller coaster of seasons through baseball, man. It is, it is the longest sports season ever. So long. It is. I mean, the fact long. that you, the fact that in Ohio you play through three different seasons tells you everything you need to know, right? Only yes. in Ohio. Do you play in three seasons? Yes. Um, are you guys going to be watching? Yeah, I'm going to be watching. Um, I'm, I might be watching the Nats and not the Indians, but I'm going to be <laughs> watching. That. <laughs> Brittany, I will be watching Miguel Cabrera. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. <laughs> that Although, is my favorite baseball. T- my favorite baseball team this year is just Miguel Cabrera. He's almost <laughs> done. His time is almost up. I want to finally embrace the Miguel Cabrera fandom because that's what I was always destined for. You know, let's be honest here. He's always been my number two. So now that I'm boycotting the guys down the streets, Miguel Cabrera time. <laughs> here we go. Brittany's boycotting the Indians, as I we mean, all should, honestly. Uh, yeah, they're going to be at home on Monday. So April 5th, I believe, is the home opener. Um it's actually yes, supposed to be my vaccine that day. That's going to be a nightmare. I Ew. recommend, uh. I, I recommend walking, not driving. <laughs> <sighs> uh, that, that might be your only way to make it to your, your vaccination site on Monday. But yeah, it's, I think the weather here is actually supposed to be really nice on Monday. Yeah, I think we got to get through this week and we'll be in hopefully warm territory for the rest of this spring. <laughs> I say that with questions because it could snow in May. I mean, yeah. Didn't we? We had a May snowstorm last year. I think like, we I did. Re- I remember. Yeah. Because we were all in quarantine. So, of course, yeah. why not snow in May? And I remember because, like, I live in a really old apartment building. And so we have radiator heating and it's controlled in a boiler room. So I was calling my landlord and being like, hey, can we shut the heat off? It is like, I'm dying. It's like 90 degrees in my apartment because it was like, 60 degrees outside and the heat was on. So I'm like literally dying. I'm like, I'm begging him to turn the heat off. He goes, no, no, we don't turn it off until this time. And then, you know, three days later we got a snowstorm and I got a ha ha told you so from the landlord. And I was very upset about it. <laughs> so that's, that's why I remember. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a good memory out of you. I, I vaguely is, recall that as well. Which is crazy. Cause I don't remember a lot of things. I don't either. Um, is it too early to give our season predictions for the Indians? Yeah. Like do, like, do we want to like give a range of like, are they going to win over 70 and they're going to win over 80? What do you think? I, think I actually could surprise people. I think that they're going to be like a solid 500 team. And I wouldn't be surprised if they finished the season under 500. Um, they, they have given up so much pitching in, in the past year. 
Uh, they just traded Adam Plucko to the the Orioles yeah. over the weekend for literally nothing. For Skittles. Yeah, like yeah, they're like the <laughs> Orioles are sending them a can of Old Bay seasoning in exchange for Adam Plutko. Like that's oh, what it know. was. And so now you're looking at this rotation of Shane Bieber, our son Tristan <laughs> McKenzie. Yeah, Tristan. well they don't. Well, well we don't know if Tristan's going to be in the starting rotation. It's it's Shane Bieber, Aaron Savale, and Zach Plesac are your top three. And then those four and five spots are, are empty, but like Cal Quantrill, after having a terrible outing during spring training, like he pitched terribly, he's making this the opening day roster. So I just, I don't know. I don't get it. Like, I feel like I understand baseball and then I see what the Indians are doing. And then I'm like, do I really not understand baseball? Like that's they, they have me questioning my own like baseball prowess. Maybe Paul DePesta and Andrew Barry need to go and just run the Indians as well in their free time. They really should. Like I know Andrew Barry is a football player and he played football, but I have no doubt that he can evaluate baseball talent. Listen, yeah. let Dan let Dan Gilbert buy the Indians and then bow out. Just use his money <laughs> and then let De Podesta and Andrew Barry come in and oh that is my dream scenario guys how funny would that be if you kind of had almost like this monarchy of of sports teams in a town where you have like your king which would almost be dan gilbert if he's owning multiple teams and then like the people I under don't ever them. Want Dan, like the thought of Dan Gilbert being king of anything yeah, I know. well i mean ted leonsis owns like three three of the like eight teams in Washington, DC. So you can't have a, an owner owning multiple teams within a single city. So I, I don't know. I'd be cool with it if he would. And you know, now, you know, he's having a hard time and apparently his son's going to take over soon, which is having a 23, his son's 23 years old. Imagine me 23 and taking over a, a sports franchise. Like that's awesome. terrifying. So that's going to get bad pretty soon. <laughs> but like in a dream world, like you would have Dan Gilbert's money and then you could bring in a, a, a G Podesta or a Sashi. We're, like, and we're doing would be great. We're doing Build a Bear with the Indians. Yeah, you over just here. Like, take little pieces <laughs> yeah. of things. You have Dan, but then you also could throw in uh, Jimmy and Dee's Haslam's ability to be hands off now, which yes. is something I never thought that I would say. Right. But they've done an amazing job at staying hands off and letting the smart guys do the smart things. So, yeah. Between the three owners, no, actually, between the two owners, you have the perfect owner. Dolan, you're done. You're out. I just wish you would go away forever. But there are good parts about Gilbert and the Haslam's that if you combine them, wow, that would be that would be something, guys. What if they went in together and just bought the team 50-50? I'd be happy with that. Where you go? There and then you what? See, we then you have everything. The, you have the Haslam Gilbert regime in the Cleveland yeah. sports world. We they might bring back everything. arena football. We'll get the Cleveland Gladiators back. <laughs> They'll revive arena football. <laughs> also, as far as the Indians are concerned, if I can make a prediction, I would say 80 and 82. That would be my final. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't really expect them to, you know, be amazing this year. Um, but the Indians always have a very, you know, fortunate way of starting pitching coming through. Yeah. It seems like no matter what, like their starting pitching will just take them through bad times. Also, the division's still pretty bad. 
Um, they get to play Detroit, you know, however many times, 18 times a year, which they're just going to smash them around. So, um, yeah, I also say, have like, to deal with the with the White Sox and the and the Twins. And those are not those teams are going to smash the Indians around. Yeah, that's why, like, I, I think their starting pitching is going to be good enough to, like, get them through. Um, I don't think they're going to be great. They're certainly not going to be as good as they have been. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to a really boring season with them. Can I yeah. pull? Can I pull a leaf out of the Brittany Mollis playbook and just cheer Always. for one player and one player only? Do it. it Tristan be, McKenzie. Yes, me too. I love my mom. I love How about we agree that we will watch every five days? Yes. to see Tristan <laughs> McKenzie pitch, and that's it. Yes, I love because him. he is. He is. He has so much promise and so much potential. Yes. And he is yes. a pure, beautiful soul. But we so, can't fall yeah. in love with him because he'll just be gone in a few years. So. Here's the thing. That is also not, true. He is a pitcher that I will follow. Like if he goes to the Dodgers, I will love cheer him. for him. If he goes to the, well, I wouldn't cheer for the Texans anyway, but I mean, if he literally goes to any other team in all of Major League Baseball, I will still be watching and cheering for him because I want him to have like Max Scherzer level success in his career. That's Love what I want too. for him. It's our little slender man, our little slender man pitcher. Slender man. <laughs> he's like all legs. He's very skinny. He's extremely skinny. So I can't wait to watch him. That makes me excited. What if he goes goes and works out with Miles Garrett and puts a little bit of muscle on? Okay, let's calm I just down. want everyone to be friends with Miles Garrett too. <laughs> let's because, calm down. Like, well, I think also because like Miles is really active on Instagram. So I just kind of want to see John John chilling with his dog on Instagram. And I want to see Tristan McKenzie doing box jumps with, like, I just want to see everyone on Miles. If Tristan McKenzie did a box jump, I feel like his legs would break because he's like so <laughs> skinny. All skinny right, leg. let's calm down. <laughs> Tristan I McKenzie. I can't wait I... to see the entire new Browns defense at an Indians game in a box, shotgunning beers with yes. Baker. That's what I am yeah. hyped yes. up for. I, hope I will that watch happens. that game. That's what I will watch. Hell yeah. I love when other teams support other teams. Like we get to see. Yeah. Well, we'll see if anyone goes to the Browns game. Any Cavs players. Colin Sexton. Colin Darius. So happy. Do Cavs <sighs> players typically go to other? Because I noticed. CJ McCollum goes to Cavs games. Or yeah. Mean, Browns games. I was about to say, because like, because I've, no, like, I've noticed like in, in our city, Browns, like Browns players will go to Indians games. I've noticed in Nashville the Titans and the Predators players would go to a lot of each other's games. Like the Predators players would show up to training camp to support the Titans. Um, in DC, the Caps and the Nats, they all go to each other's games as much as they can. So I, I just, mean, Joe Hayden I was like a the permanent, he was like a permanent sideline fan when LeBron James was in, in oh, Cleveland, I remember? It. But I'm yeah, that, Trey I, Drummond, he used to go to the games too. Yeah, I remember did, watching his did. Instagram stories. Yeah, I'm where he would go to the Andre. games. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, so. I think you know who else I think did. Um, I think RJ and Channing didn't they go together a couple times? They I remember did yeah. their Instagram together. stories in the and Chet, Chet, I see Chetty and JR too. Yes, JR. Yes. I think had a shirt off at a Browns game. Of course he did. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I guess I just I guess I just don't like it didn't stick out in my mind. But yeah, like. <laughs> Richard Jefferson and Chan and Channing Fryer, like they're soulmates. They are like I love them. They same. They literally do everything together. I I would watch 
a TV show, either reality or scripted. I don't care. I, I want to, I want to just see more of them. I would I watch totally a TV agree. show with, with RJ and, and Channing Fry. 100%. Like, we need to make they're that just, happen. they're, they, those two might be like out of all sports. We need to get them on athletes. our show. Yeah. Oh. Oh, my God. I would cry if we got Channing Fry. You guys, you have no idea how big of a Channing Fry fan I am. Did I tell you about the guy that dumped me? Because every Friday I would send him a Channing Fry gift and say happy Friday. I'm sorry, oh my God. broke up with you because of that. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he broke up with me because of other reasons, but he was really annoyed by that. Over excessively sends Channing Fry <laughs> gifts every Friday. <laughs> I like, I think I, I like to consider myself a professional, but um, if we got Channing Fry on, I would probably go like full on one E fan girl because I just, I'm the biggest Channing Fry fan. And try to make that happen. Try to make that happen, guys. Yes. All right. Yeah. Well, this wraps us up for the evening. This was fun, even though we we didn't have a guest tonight. It was just three of us again. So uh, thank you guys all for listening to us. Um, again, be sure to send us some feedback on Twitter, rate and review us on your listening platform. Again, like I said, stay tuned for our giveaways this week with the Northwest Group. We'll be giving away some blankets to keep you warm on the spring winter. Um, and if you again, want to use the code, it is the northwest.com and you can use code girl CLE. Thank you guys all for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. 